0: Hey everybody, happy Father's Day to all you fathers, to all you godfathers, and to all you priests, and to all you grandfathers. Do I have a great-grandfather listening to this podcast? That would be fantastic. If you're a great-grandfather, send an email (laughs) if you use email. Let's be real. If you're a great-grandfather, you're probably not listening on iTunes. So... Uh, But today, uh, for Coffee Talk, we have something cool for you. Uh, It's Father's Day and the Trinity Sunday, and so I preached, my my homily this week was about uh, the first person of the Trinity, uh, the Father, and fatherhood in general. So uh, hopefully you like it. Uh, We have a couple of cool upcoming episodes. As you've heard on the podcast, uh, me and Grace Krause and my friend John Bim, our friend John Bim, were uh, on a West Coast Adventure, we're going to have an update or a recap of that, all of our uh, cool experiences, people we met, funny stories. It was crazy. Uh, You'll get that. And also recently I uh, saw... Jennifer Miller, Dr. Jennifer Miller, who is a professor at Notre Dame Seminary, and she wants to do an episode on gender theory. She's on a sabbatical right now and doing research on cultural understandings, different cultures, understandings of gender and the relationship between man and woman. That's super important right now in our world that's so confused, but this is about fatherhood. God bless. Enjoy. P.S. Dad. I'm sorry I told everyone you were bald. Enjoy. You're listening to Coffee Talk with Father Brad. The Lord be with you. And And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I have much more to tell you But you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the father has is mine. For this reason, I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. When I became a father, this was my first mass to celebrate as a priest, as a deacon. It was also my first homily to preach, which... uh, our deacon candidate knows is a tough job. <laughs> Trinity is a, is a hard mystery. It's Trinity Sunday. That first homily, I tried to handle all the Trinity. I talked about all the persons of the Trinity. But don't worry, I've grown up since then. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not this eager deacon trying to preach all about it all. I'm just going to preach about fatherhood. Because last week we talked about the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. Easter seasons all about Jesus' resurrection, so let's talk about the Father on this Father's Day weekend. First, I want to bring up something uh, someone presented to me, uh, Scott Hahn, in fact. An example he brought up, he says that even the Our Father itself, the prayer, is a scandalous prayer. What do I mean by scandalous? We think a scandalous as causing uh, a stumbling block to someone's faith or, or maybe is, you know, when they hear of it, they go, ooh, and there's gossip around it. The scandal of, of calling God Our Father is that up until Christianity, up until Jesus gave us that prayer, and told the apostles, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to call God your father up until that. No people would think of the divine as that close to us. It's familial. Because if you're someone's son or daughter, if, if you have a father, that you, relationship gives you the right to their name. Right? You're part of that name. Right to their property, right to their privileges. In a crazy way, being an equal in dignity with that father. And we're saying this about our relationship with God, which should blow our mind, but we just know the Our Father too well. We learned it since we were little, so it just doesn't affect us anymore. But the scandal of the Our Father is that we actually are close to God, even though he's far away. We hear in the Psalm, when I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place. This is David, remember David wrote the Psalms. He walks outside, he looks at the sky. They didn't have light pollution back then. It's dark, there's no street lamps, there's no cities. Probably, Probably had pretty good stars, huh? He looks up at the sky, he says, when I behold all of this, this should be even more so for us because we know what that is. <laughs> David didn't really know what that was, how big the universe was. But when we look up in the sky and see how little we are and how big this is, David says, what is man that you should be mindful of him? Or the son of man that you should care for him? How big this is stand at an ocean. Just look at the ocean. You're like, oh, goodness. On a mountain. Look at the stars. Why do you care about us? We're little peons. We're little grains of sand on the beach. Yet we get to call you Father? Psalm 8 continues. Yet you have made him little less than the angels. That's one translation. Another translation, it actually says... In Psalm 8, you have made him little less than God's. Because the actual Hebrew is Elohim, which means God's. David's saying, even though you are so big and your creation is so big and we're so small, you have made him little less than God's. Like we are drawn close to you. You have given him rule over the works of your hands, putting all things under his feet. The radicalness of God's adoption of us is the fact of his condescension. So condescension means coming down to, he comes down to us. That he would care about ourselves or our happiness. The essence of a father is someone who gives life, but doesn't just give it. A true father defends that life and helps it flourish, teaches, raises, protects that life. When we decided to leave and go astray to reject God, to follow our own passions, he didn't allow us to go. He, he didn't let us go. It's like the prodigal father. I call him the prodigal father because the prodigal son gives everything away. Well, the prodigal father gives everything away, too. It's just mercy. And where is he? He's outside of the house. He's outside of the building. It's a pretty hot day today, huh? I'm glad we're in the air conditioner. Do you know where the father is in that story? It's in the sun. I don't know why. I always picture that story of the prodigal son and the prodigal father. You know, the father's waiting outside. I never picture it as overcast for some reason. I always picture like the hot sun beaming down on that bald head because he's a dad, so he's bald. Or just my dad's bald. <laughs> I'm recording this and he'll listen to it, so I just wanted to make fun, fun of him on Father's Day. See, a father doesn't just beget life, but he defends it, he provides, and protects it. And yet, in modern society, fathers are depicted either as buffoons, or I think of Homer Simpson, or the dad on Modern Family, if you've watched Modern Family. That guy's funny. But he's stupid. <laughs> and that's the dads we see on TV. Or the opposite end, right? The other extreme, which is like, let's say, depicted in a movie. Uh, what was that movie called? Liam Neeson? Taken. I want to like the movie. But at the end of the day, I don't think it, per- it, it expresses the fullness of what a father is because all that movie is is vengeance, right? And physical protection. But being a father is more than that. You can't just have the extremes of like a buffoon or the dude who's just going to track someone down and he's got special skills and is going to like kill 40 bad guys to get his daughter back. It's easy to get caught up in the romance of a story like that. The physical valor and even violence of it. But the reality is that most fathers will never have to do that kind of thing. No matter how many times, like when my sister goes to Europe, (laughs) my dad always tells my sister, he goes, he goes, you better be careful because I don't want to go Liam Neeson on somebody. (laughs) I'm like, dad, you're not going to have to do that, you know? No matter how many times dads will think that, you're probably not going to have to do that. Fathers will never... Most fathers' battles are fought on the battlefield of virtue and prayer. That battlefield. Sure, most people would jump in front of a bullet for their children, most dads. But are they willing to do what's necessary to act virtuously? Let's just say in a car in traffic. And their kids are little and they're growing up and they're learning how to treat people and how to respect people. That's a, that's a little more difficult in some ways. Many men have fun taking pictures with their uh, shotguns next to their, their daughter's, you know, prom dates. Have you ever seen this? Like the prom date comes over and so the dad's got to like, I'm going to take a picture with a shotgun and put it on Facebook. Gets a lot of likes. But how many will lead their daughters in prayer throughout their entire life? negating their need for the shotgun in the first place. You don't need that shotgun if you just love your daughter where she knows that she's loved. The work we do as fathers in prayer and virtue and attention with our families and kids is greater than any act of physical valor we can ever perform. So all we have is the Homer Simpsons or the Liam Neesons. We need need Atticus Finches. Hope you get the reference. We need fathers who will step into the breach and show by example their virtue, protect their family, but the enemy is not an army of flesh and blood. It's a culture that is calling out for us to participate in. The battle is one when we refuse to participate in that culture of death. Thanks, Dad, for letting me use you as a random trope in my homilies. Okay, it's time to go around the world. Not uh, too much interesting in our stats on who's listening, except for the fact there's a lot more California people, which is understandable because of the pilgrimage. Um, But I hope they're just randos that we met at the pubs we went to. That'd be cool, but it's probably just our friends. Uh, Moving on to Patreon. I am happy to announce that we do have a new patron. It is a logger. So only $1, which is really great, actually. I I appreciate $1 patrons, logger patrons, um, because if every single listener out there, if you are listening and you're hearing about this, you can just get $1 a month, you'll barely even see it. But if all y'all do it, then uh, I, can, I will be able to um, pay our co-hosts when they come on. So Jordan and Grace, uh, right now we're at $41. Uh, the goal is $60. If we get to $60 then we'll meet our next goal, which will mean we get to pay our hosts when they host, guest hosts. I do it for free because I'm a priest and little old ladies buy me dinner all the time. So doesn't happen for everyone. You can hate me about it, but what up, suckas? Okay, so 41 bucks. Uh, our new patron is Justine Sari. Justine Sari, and guess what? First international patron. She is in Paris. And now, okay, she's from Vachery originally, whatever. Um but the Sari's are in uh Paris. Uh how long have you been living there, Justine? I can't remember. But yeah. Glad to have you. Um, And she's the first one who listens every morning because I think like the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're ahead of us. So because it starts in Australia. Actually, maybe the Australians, but I can't really know. Um, But I think she, Justine, is always the first one listening with her coffee before you weirdos wake up. So if you want to join her, go to www.patreon.com backslash quizzical papist. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Backslash. Backslash. Quizzical Papers. We also have another review. And quite frankly, it's my favorite. And and it actually gives you creative, license, people out there to be ridiculous. This review is five stars, five estrellas. And the heading is non-listener. So this person doesn't listen. And it's uh K Bags thirty-three. On June second, K Bags wrote, I have yet to listen to this podcast, but I am subscribing. Father Brad slept on my couch and cooked a shrimp scampy. Forever will be a friend. What's up, Kevin? That's right. I did sleep on Kevin's couch. And uh thanks for the little shout-out. I think he wrote it right when I was there, laying there. I did cook a fantastic Shrimp scampi for Kevin and his wife Aaron, and I think I accidentally put cheese, and she's lactose intolerant. Sorry, Aaron, but um yeah, we need some more reviews, so do whatever. Talk about me cooking you shrimp scampi. Maybe say I cooked you something, and then I'll come do it so you know, I don't make a liar out of you, but whatever you do, give us five stars, go on iTunes, scroll to the bottom, and leave a review. Until next time, God bless. Peace. Enjoy Trinity Sunday. Eat three of everything. Drink three of everything. Unless they're doubles. Don't do that.